Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what? What are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. We can find instant satisfaction in almost anything these days. Sleepy? Instant coffee. Need to sell your car fast? Car sales? Instant offer. That's right. Sell your car the instant way. And get it done with Australia's most trusted site for cars. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's three past nine here on SENZ. Ricardo Ball in for Ian Smith. I can't say I've spent much time on my haunches behind the wickets, but I have spent a bit of time behind a microphone. So hopefully we can get through this in one piece uh, for uh, Smithy. He is going to join us shortly, actually. I know he's on the road doing all his uh, commentary for the Cricket World Cup, but he is going to join us because we can't start one of these shows without a Smithy sermon. So we're going to have that really soon. Now, just to talk about what we've got coming up on the show today. It is International Women's Day, and with that in mind, we have dedicated the show to women's sport, and we've got uh, some of the biggest names in New Zealand women's sport from an administration point of view, from a journalistic point of view, and from an athletic point of view as well, coming on the show. Uh, Storm Purvis is going to join us soon, uh, the former netballer uh, who is now uh, transitioning into sports reporting. She was at the Olympics, of course, part of that all-female presenter crew that Sky sent up. Uh, uh, there, so we'll have her on the show shortly. We're also going to be talking to Michelle Cox, who most people will know, recognise that name from being uh, associated with the football ferns and and with football. Uh, her and her mother were the were the first, I think, mother daughter to play together for the New Zealand team internationally. Uh, but she is now involved in ice hockey, so we're going to talk to her about this new uh, IHF global women's game uh, for girls basically after off the back of the Winter Olympics and seeing the women's game it was such a high profile that has gathered traction and we're going to talk to Michelle about that and how uh, ice hockey is now trying to make inroads into New Zealand on the uh, female side of things. Emily Drum, former White Fern is also going to join us uh, between uh, now and 10 o'clock. Uh, after 10, uh, Lavina Good and Dana Johansson are going to join us uh, for our Dilmar panel. They're going to be uh, part of the expertise, and we're going to be talking about Super Rugby Alpeki, how it's been handled, uh, the World Cups that we have coming up in New Zealand from a women's sport point of view, and Stuff's State of the Union series that Dana has been a huge part of. So we've got all of that coming up. We're also uh, going to catch up with Rachel Froggett after 11. Uh, with Whisper, which is Women in Sport Aotearoa. She is the CEO. It's been going for five years now. We're going to talk to her about that and 
what's on the horizon for them and how they have managed to change things. There's still going to be a stumped with Smithy as well, or stumped by Smithy, I should say, uh, but you're just going to have to stump me, which is probably going to be a bit easier than stumping Smithy, to be fair, so there's prizes to be won. Uh, make sure you're in for that. And right throughout the day, uh, right throughout the show, we're going to be talking about our Mount Rushmore, your favourite Kiwi athletes from women's sport. Uh, so that's four, right, with the Mount Rushmore. So who are, when you think New Zealand female athletes, who are the four that spring to mind for you who are top of mind, Who have, whether it's through achievements, whether it's through how they play the game, whether it's through what they give, they've given back to their relative sports, uh, that is where we're going to go. We're going to talk Mount Rushmore of Kiwi female athletes. And, you know, looking back at the last two Olympic Games, there are plenty of recent options because the last two Olympic Games, the women have won more medals than the men. Uh, from from that point of view so you have a lot of different options there so make sure uh, you jump on uh, the temper bedpost text machine double eight double three and send us your options for the mount rushmore of kiwi female athletes but look we should get to him the man whose show this is that i'm filling in for he's on the road doing the cricket world cup commentaries but we can't start a show without a smithy sermon Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's Sermon. So the year of women's sport has begun in earnest, and the Women's World Cup for cricket has certainly hit the ground running. A couple of cliffhangers to launch proceedings, an upset unfortunately involving the hostesses, but all in all, a pretty cool start. The overwhelming fact for me thus far, from what we've seen, and it is only early days, is the quality of the cricket at the top end. 400 classy ones too, in just two games. 600 total runs in the dream Aussie-England matchup. It's professional from the perfect draw setup to the attitude and the desire of the players. It is vitally important though that the White Ferns hold their composure and progress to the playoffs. If not, the fringe Kiwi support will go. The game will have missed the trick. We love good sport in this country, but we have to be playing it. It won't sit right if come the pointy end of the comp, our ladies are just mere spectators. The White Ferns are potentially able to bat the house down. Our top four is very, very good, right up there with the best of them. But they're going to have to be because the bowling and fielding is next level down. We could be chasing some big targets, and chasing it seems to be the preference at toss time for Sophie Devine. The most unfortunate aspect of the first few days been the complete lack of atmosphere. It was deathly silent as the teams all stood silent in Hamilton to respect the passing of Rod Marsh and Shane Warne. Sombre occasion indeed. But there was not much else more in terms of atmosphere after that. And for the two teams to amass 600 runs in a classic encounter under lights was pretty much an insult. The Minister of Sport and Deputy PM, Mr Robertson, was at the opening game So as he looked out of the official marquee posted on the bank, surely he must have been second-guessing his own decision to let a pathetic 10% of the ground's capacity into watch. There was acres of space for sensible distancing. It's a futile gesture. And maybe a more populated and vociferous crowd may have hauled our girls over the line. Isn't that the benefit of playing at home? So open your eyes and open the gate. There's something special going on 
and you're ruining the party. The skillful and dedicated ladies on show deserve much better. There you go, Smithy Sermon. He doesn't hold back, does he? Doesn't hold back at all. Uh, and uh, we'll uh, talk to Smithy uh, throughout the next few days as well while he is on the road, uh, even though I'm filling in the hot seat for him here on uh, his show uh, through till midday. Now joining us uh, for our first interview of the day is former uh, Silver Fern and uh, retired now as well, but big part of the Sky team. She was up at the Olympics as well. Storm Purvis joins us. G'day, mate. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, good, good, good. How was how was being on the road with Ricky and Kirst up uh, at the Olympics different from maybe being on the road with the Silver Ferns? Yep, slightly different. Equally as hectic. In fact, probably more hectic, to be honest. Um, it was it was great to be over there with Christina Eddy as well. Um, the four lady reporters that were sent over. It's quite funny, though, because once the game started and we got going... I would not see Ricky or Christina or Kirsty for days. And we'd pass them like in the street or in the middle of the IBC, the broadcast centre, or on a bus transporting us to events. And I'd see them and be like, I haven't seen you today. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Exhausted. Yep. Okay. See you in a couple of days. So we were so excited to head over there and spend all this time together. But in reality, like barely saw them, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah. Well, how, the transition for you from being a professional netballer to into sports reporting why why sports reporting what sort of uh was the was the the hook there for you why did you want to get into that look i i've always been a sports fan um growing up involved in a family that played a lot of sport watched a lot of sport i was always the one of my friends who would like come home i went to an all-girls school i'd come home and want to watch you know the super 12 or watch the cricket or something while everyone else would go to the movies and i just knew that that was you know something slightly different uh, in me than a lot of my other friends growing up. So I was like, man, I used to watch The Crowd Goes Wild and watch Hayley Holt and think, hey, I could do that. Like, I can sit alongside these boys and talk about cricket and rugby. And that was when I was super young. Um, And then as I kind of developed in my playing career, I found that I really enjoyed doing the post-match interviews. I always put my hand up to do any sort of speaking events and things like that. And I guess naturally over time um, that was possibly noticed. And so I was getting asked to do more and then eventually ran into James McConey in the green room at Sky. And it was around the same time that Haley had just left. Markety was leaving. Um, and he set up a meeting with Rick Salizzo. We had a coffee a few days later and just spoke about all our mutual friends or people we knew <laughs> in the industry or in rugby or whatever. And before I knew it, I was um, in the office and hosting a show. So that was still while I was playing, and it was quite nice. I had kind of half retired. I'd pulled out from international netball and was just focusing on domestic and kind of enjoying it while working at the Cargo's Wild and learning the ropes and broadcasting and whatnot, and then eventually retired completely and now have just thrown all my eggs into this sort of media basket, and um, I'm, I'm loving it. So I'm really, a really lucky, like I, I know I was lucky, right place, right time, and it, it's worked out really well for me, but that transitioning from professional player into you know life after sport has been an easy one for me and I know for a lot of people that's not the case so yeah stoked that it has worked out the way it has yeah that's uh that's that's that uh, sounds like a great journey for you hey now, how are the knees because I know the knees were the reason that you retired <laughs> and you did retire a bit early 
Yeah, I retired at 27, which I felt old because I've been playing 10 years in that league. So I felt like I'd been around a long time. Um, and my knees certainly made me feel that way. And they're not great, uh, Ricardo, to be honest. I'm, I'm waiting for my sort of follow-up appointment with my surgeon on my right knee. So I've had two ops on my left, one on my right, awaiting a fourth for the right knee. Um, they're not great, and it's probably just something I'm going to have to live with for the rest of my life. And I've got into mountain biking because that's something, like cycling was always something we did to try and keep the knees happy, and that's kind of helped me transition into mountain biking, which I love, although um, I've had a few spills and thrills in that sport as well. So I just think I should be wrapped in bubble paper at all times. <laughs> maybe, maybe just swim. Just swim, mate. Nothing can go wrong. I can't swim. swim, though. I'm a terrible swimmer. It sucks because everyone says that, but I can't bloody swim. I've just admitted that on radio, but it's yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe, uh, maybe at, the, uh, at, the, at the Masters Games when you qualify, we can see you in the uh, 100 dog paddle. We'll see how we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Anything where I don't have to worry about my breathing, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now, the Stars coach, Kerry Wills, uh, just last week, actually, uh, was doing an interview, and uh, she was asked about Omicron and an outbreak and what she would do there. And uh, this is, and I, I'm quoting her, she says, I'm forming a list of players. Um, you know, you've got the likes of uh, Tim Alisi, Fokahotau, we may even get Liana De Bruyne to pull her boots back out on, or Storm Purvis. In my mind, I'm <laughs> compiling a list of when it gets down to it, who we can call. Has, have you had any conversations about this, and did you know? Do you know, it's funny, I had a, an Instagram DM. She slid into my Instagram messages um, a few <laughs> weeks ago and said, hey, Stormy, hope you're well, blah, blah, blah. Um, are you willing and able to, you know, come play for us if, if needed? And I had been to a training for them last year just to fill in for numbers, and I loaded up on diclofenac, which is an anti-inflammatory, and got through the training. Um, so I kind of replied being like, I'm totally willing. Able is another <laughs> question, but <laughs> as long as Shaz, who's the star's physio, has plenty of, um, of diclofenac or anti-inflammatories lined up for me the week prior, then I could probably squeeze a quarter or two out if you really needed me. Um, but yeah, that article came out like two days later. I was like, okay, kids. Here we go. <laughs> I highly doubt it will happen. Like the stars are blessed with a lot of defenders. Um, Liana Dubrain, what's she like? 40, 40, 45? She will get the call up before I do, and that's saying something. So. Has she got better knees than you? <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely. I don't know what what they feed them in South Africa growing up because um, you know Irene and Liana just totally outgunned us all. <laughs> Well, I was, was going to ask you actually about that because we've got the you know the uh, the ANZ not too far away from um, from getting underway. In fact, uh, you and I are going to be doing a show on SENZ called Centre Pass on Tuesday nights from next week, um, talking yeah, about yeah. netball. Um, and I was looking at the lineups, and you know I, I know that you know, I, in one of your first uh, seasons playing, you know you played in the final for the Steel, and you intercepted that pass from Irene and or for Irene and and won the game. And I've always looked at players coming through and seeing who could be as dominant as Irene was in the game, particularly in the shooting circle. And, and I've, I feel like Grayson Wecky could be that player for the Ferns uh, going forward. I mean, you look at that Mystics lineup this season, they're going to be tough to beat. Are, are they the team to beat? I think they are, Ricardo. I think they are. Um, we had our ANZ Premiership media launch yesterday on Zoom, which was a bit of a nightmare, pretty hectic. Um, but I tried to ask all the captains of the teams who they thought would win and they couldn't say themselves. And I think 80% of them said the Mystics. 
um, they've got virtually the same lineup they did last year, but they've brought back the likes of Phoenix Karaka and Michaela sokovic beetson who, you know, former Silver Ferns, they're two great players to bring back in. Um, Grace Nwicky is only going to get better and better and better and better. She's still young. She's still relatively inexperienced. So I think you're totally right um, by suggesting that Grace could, you know, be the next Irene Van Dyke. I hate saying things like that out loud because she's Grace Nwicky. You know, she's so different to how I've played. We're in a completely different realm of the sport, um, you know, decades later now, really. Um, and she's got a lot of growing to do, but we haven't had a player like her in this country for a long, long time. The closest we've kind of seen in general and in world netball is Janine, uh, sorry, Janelle Fowler-Reed, who was at the Steel for all those years. And we saw how dominant she was um, down there for them. So if Grace can continue to grow and, and she's kind of looked after and, and, and given opportunities, then 100% of, I've been lucky enough to play against her a few times and got absolutely monstered. So <laughs> maybe it was her fault that I was forced into early retirement, but she's definitely one to watch out for. And I'm actually picking a, an all-Auckland final this year. Um, the Stars are another team that have you know, pretty much the same lineup uh, from last year. They, the, you know, the rails fell off a little bit towards the, end, uh, towards the end of the season last year, and I think they would have learned from that. And I think it would be really cool for the game to see an all-Auckland final. Yeah, yeah, it would be. It would be. I mean, uh, I know the rest of the country are rolling their eyes right now as you say that, but um, I, I, I think that getting that rivalry going um, uh, particularly would be would be fantastic for the sport. And uh, just before we let you go, Storm, of course, we do have the centre pass starting. Uh, next Tuesday night from 8 till 9 um, and looking forward to, to sitting down and talking netball with you on a regular basis. But um, if you were going to pick a player that maybe is going to pop their head up above the parapet and stand out this season, someone maybe w- is, hasn't been in Fern's Reckoning p- previously, who do, you, who do you think we should be watching out for? Oh, okay, I'm going to throw Kate Burley out there. Uh, she is a defender who's moved from the Mystics because of Phoenix and Michaela coming back down to the steel. Uh, she's an Auckland girl through and through, and she's slid the nest, uh, which I think is going to be really good for her. She's speedy, she's got hops, she's you know so willing to learn and try things, and she's going to be playing alongside Tehungia Reo Selby Rickett, who's just you know the oracle of netball. Um, so I think Kate Burley is a name to watch out for this year in the steel defence circle. Yep. Awesome, awesome. All right, that's the insight that we want on Centre Pass from uh, next Tuesday uh, every week at K-Storm, no pressure. Fantastic. I can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> Good stuff. Storm there with us uh, on Ian Smith. Mornings with Ian Smith here on SCNZ. Ricardo Ball in for Smithy while he's on the road for the Cricket World Cup. Between now and 10 o'clock, we're going to talk to Michelle Cox, the Director of Women's Hockey uh, and the launch of this International Ice Hockey Federation Global Girls Game. We're going to talk to her about that. We'll get to your calls and texts. Uh, the Mount Rushmore effect that's what we're calling it we want your top four female kiwi athletes who should be on mount rushmore who are they uh, make sure you hit us on the temper bedpost text machine double eight double three or you can call us on 0800 150 811 
It's mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Ricardo Ball in for Smithy. And uh, one of the uh, things we're talking about today on the show is uh, the Mount Rushmore. We want your top four female New Zealand athletes who would be on the Mount Rushmore of New Zealand female athletes. Um, you can get us on the uh, Temper Bedpost text machine, Temper and Bedpost. Like no other, double eight, double three. We've had a few through already. Uh, John has sent this through. Uh, Val Adams, Susan Devoy, Lisa Carrington and Sophie Pascoe, all outstanding Kiwis, makes one proud to have been able to enjoy watching those four, plus many others dominate their sport. Cheers, John. Thanks, John. Thanks for your uh, your text. It's, uh, it's, there's some great names in there, a few that I've got on my own as well. Uh, Tim has said, uh, for it's these current Wahini owning it on the world stage, um, he has gone with Lisa Carrington, Lydia Ko, and Courtney Duncan, so he's left us room for one more. Um, there has been, Tony said, uh, sent through, uh, Mount Rushmore, a little difficult comparing individual sport with individuals within sports teams. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. I mean... I know we're talking the Mount Rushmore of female Kiwi athletes at the moment, but I thought that around uh, the Hellbergs and, you know, the Sportsman of the Year Award, I, I really thought that Paul Cole should have won it. Um, not saying that Kane isn't a great player and isn't a great captain, but, you know, Paul Cole's out there on his own doing it, and I think that makes it that much more difficult to do what he's done, become the number one in the world, uh, and win all those tournaments he's won as well. Uh, we've also got um, uh, from Tony, he has given us a few names as well. He has said if it was individual sports, it would be Yvette Williams, Susan Devoy, Valerie Adams, and Lisa Carrington in no particular order. Thanks very much for your text, Tony. Um, now, we've also got uh, one here from Dale, and Dale's gone above and beyond. He's gone top four legends, Ruia Morrison. Marilyn Smith, Farah Palmer, and Rita Fatialofa. And then he's gone new school. So current athletes. And he has gone Zoe sadowski Sinnott, Courtney Duncan, Erin Rootliff, Sarah Hiddeny as well. Who are yours? Which four faces are you putting on the Mount Rushmore of Kiwi female athletes? You can text us through on the Temper Bedpost text machine on 8833 with yours and we will get to those throughout the morning. I have also just had one come through here and uh, I like I like the cut of your jib. I like the cut of your jib, Liam. He said I would have Sarah Ulmer, Val Adams, Lisa Carrington and Lydia Ko as my Mount Rushmore. Okay, so keep those coming through on 8833. We'll continue to revisit that throughout the show. We have coming up shortly, uh, Michelle Cox, she's going to talk to us about women's ice hockey and the uptake in that sport and how it's growing in New Zealand. But uh, right now, it's time for news. It's 27 away from 10 here on uh, Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Ricardo Ball in for him. Uh, make sure you follow at SENZ underscore radio on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and send us a DM with the words The Race uh, for the chance to win a half percent share in Self Assured. If Self Assured wins the race at Cambridge Raceway on April 14, one lucky winner will walk away with a half percent of the winnings of that race, which apparently going to be around 2k which would be good. I, I could do with that. After following a bunch of Izzy's bets in last week, I could definitely do with that. It is fair to say. Now, 
It is International Women's Day, and as a result, uh, we have dedicated the whole show to women's sport. And joining us now to talk ice hockey is Michelle Cox, the director of women's hockey Auckland at the Auckland Ice Hockey Association. Uh, good morning, Michelle. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm good, thanks. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thank you. Good, good. good. Hey, now, the global girls game uh, that the International Ice Hockey Federation have set up, this, uh, I, I was looking at this today, of course, uh, we had a game in Auckland and our score counted towards the world score, but, I mean, how successful, successful has this initiative been? When did it start, and uh, is this the first time New Zealand's taken part? No, so this came all about from um, the 2010 Winter Olympics that were held in Vancouver. Um, and the International Federation just noticed that there was a, like a very big uh, skill gap between North America and the rest of the world. So they came up with a whole bunch of new initiatives to try and bridge that gap, and the Girls Global Game was a part of that. So the first Girls Global Game was 2015, um, and New Zealand's been a part of that basically since day one. So we, obviously, being the first time zone for the day, are normally the ones that will kick the game off, and then the game kind of continues all the way around the world or end up in a, either a North American country. Um, and then, yeah, there's a final score right at the very end. See who wins. Yeah, your team blue versus team white. Of course, uh, team white. I think yep. won won ours, didn't they? Uh, yeah, Angeli Malari yep. with uh, with three goals. I mean, what is mm-hmm. what is our depth of talent like here? Um, we've got um, obviously we're we're a smaller sport. We're not like a rugby or a cricket or a netball kind of thing, but our mm. numbers are growing. Um, so, for instance, say ten years ago, we had probably about hundred and seventy players nationwide. Now, last year, we're up to 415. So it's a huge jump for us. Um, The depth is growing. Even the age group's going. We've got, like, under nine girls now playing. um, And we didn't have that before. So so the word is getting out, and more and more girls are picking up sport, which is fantastic to see. I mean, I I think about ice hockey, and, and, you know, I, I mean, I love watching ice hockey, but the one thing that has always held me back from thinking that I could do that or give it a go is that, you know, in New Zealand, we don't tend to grow up skating on ice like they do in North America or parts of Europe, right? And no, I just look no, at that no, with, no. With, with the history my ankles have, I look at it and go, oh, that just looks like a, an accident waiting to happen. So like a lot of sports, you know, you mentioned rugby or cricket or, or netball mm. where, you know, you don't have to teach someone how to run, but you do have to teach someone no. how to skate, right, first before they can really yeah. do do what they need to do. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So each of the regions, so you've got Auckland, Canterbury, um, Southern Districts, which is like Queenstown, Dunedin, all that kind of area, each of them will run a learn-to-play program. So within Auckland, we've obviously got the two arenas, Avondale and Botany, um, and they have regular um, evening sessions down on the weekend of actually learn-to-play. So kids can come along, any school-age kid, um, right up through the end of high school, and they can actually teach you how to play um, give you some equipment to try on and, and get, just get used to playing the sport. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, yeah. the, the number jump, like you, you say, is massive. Is, mm. In terms of the weight of where the players are coming from, is it from down south where we do have more snow and ice, so maybe there's more opportunity for them to skate? I think uh, originally a lot of the players were from down south, um, like back when the New Zealand Women's Programme first started, just because of the pure base and, and obviously there is the snow and ice down there. What we've seen, the trend over the last, say, 10 to 15 years is it's kind of been moving north to Auckland and that's purely for the fact that a lot of inline players 
are up in Auckland, Hamilton kind of area, and we're kind of converting them over to be ice hockey players. <laughs> how, how, how easy is it to transfer someone from field hockey to ice hockey? Um, from field hockey, not very easy, because obviously you're running compared to ice hockey. Um, yep. Inline hockey is a lot easier because it's the same basic principles. you just got to get your feet used to being on ice instead of a rollerblade, yeah. Yeah, I guess it's a, is it a similar movement, a rollerblade to, a, to an ice skate? Yes and no. Um, I know a lot of inliners have trouble stopping, let's say. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's probably the main thing for them. But, um, but the, obviously the puck handling is the same, the shooting is t- typically the same. Um, so a lot of uh, skills carry over, which is great for us. Yeah, well, I guess that's why you got pads. Eh? You don't need to learn how to stop. You got pads. You just do yeah, the wall. Yeah, as long as you, yeah, and then you've got boards. So if you really can't do it, then you can just crash into a board, and that'll stop you. <laughs> <laughs> now the New Zealand Women's um, Ice Hockey League um, has got a Queenstown team in there, the Wakatipu Wild, plus Dunedin yep. Thunder. Uh, you got mm-hmm. the Auckland Steel, Canterbury Inferno. What are your What are your hopes for the National League in years to come? Uh, years to come, we obviously are looking, um, we, we kind of try and see what the men's league are doing and see, okay, what are they doing? Can we be like them? Um, if not, what's going to work for us? Um, so we've got an arena that's just started up in Wellington. So we obviously want to um, help the Wellington players out, bring them up to speed, create a new team out of there, and then hopefully add them into the mix. Um, there's also a possibility for a junior team in the NZWIHL, like an under-18 team. Um, the men have it, uh, they've had it for, for one season so far and it's been quite successful. So that's kind of a stepping stone that could be um, a pathway for our younger players to, to um, get more experience in that way. Yeah, I mean, we've had no uh, world champs, of course, due to COVID and things. I mean, I think uh, the under-18s missed out on Mexico. Um, what's been the impact of no world champs yeah, so we, because I'm, I'm the assistant coach for the under-18 women's team, so we did actually get to go to Mexico. Um, so that was our first world champs in 2020, like right on the cusp of COVID hitting. So that was really good for us, great experience for, for the girls to get under their belts. Um, obviously, with no world champs, thanks COVID, um, it does take a bit of a hit, but we're just trying to keep the girls motivated, trying to give them opportunities inside New Zealand so that getting the league properly up and running, um, having more competitions, more camps, things like that, just to try and encourage them to, to not drop off. Um, and hopefully with COVID pending, we'll be able to get back there next year for World Champs. Yeah, which would be great news. I mean, ha- have you noticed yeah. any regression in skills over the last year or two with no international competition? Um, probably not regression in skills. Um, I think the girls do, like, they, they can still play in their regular club leagues. So that is still up there. I think just the, dare I say it, the fitness level. <laughs> because you don't, for a club league, is different uh, fitness level to a world championship game, you know. So for a world championship, you're going to be at the gym quite a lot, especially over the summer. You're going to be in peak physical condition to go over and play that world championship. And then when we're in COVID and we don't get to go anywhere, that kind of motivation to go to the gym every day just slacks off a little bit. But we'll get back into the gym and, Smarting them back up, I'm sure. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Hey, you've been coaching for a long time. Uh, in fact, you you were coaching men's sides before. You know, we've had women coaching uh, men's sides in, in other sports. Um, yep. How did you get into coaching, and 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 why have you been able to achieve what you've done? 
Um, I got into coaching pretty much when I was a teenager um, and then the National Women's Program took off and I put it on the back burner because I knew I would always be able to come back and coach. Um, I played in the national team until 2012, 2013 and I retired out and then I actually moved to Australia and that's where my coaching really took off over there. Um, So within the Sydney leagues I was coaching the men's teams over there and women's and kids and and things like that. Moving back to New Zealand is when I started to pick up the national team over here, the under 18 assistant coach role, and that's when I picked up the the men's botany form as well. Um, So for me, it was just all about trying to give back to the sport and encourage people to kind of play and basically pick up a passion that I'd had since a kid, really. Nice, mate. Nice. So it's been really yeah. interesting hearing about ice hockey and where it's at in New Zealand in general, um, not just for women, uh, women, but in general it seems to be a sport that is uh, growing uh, year on year. Hey, we yeah. are doing uh, uh, a Mount Rushmore of the top New Zealand athletes Ooh. of all time, female athletes. So uh, if I can get yours, which four faces are you putting on the Mount Rushmore of greatest New Zealand female athletes? Oh. I'm actually quite liking Sophie Devine at the moment, eh? Yep. Sophie Devine's yep. a great uh, shot. Yeah, yeah. I think she's doing, um, obviously her profile is raising New Zealand women's cricket, and I think for a sports team, that's amazing, and especially now since the World Cup's on as well. Um, yeah, I just think she's doing great leaps and bounds and creating the right, the right kind of waves that need to be happening in women's sports. So she's my vote. She's your vote. Sophie Devine, we'll, we'll, yep, we'll, yep. we'll get the chisels out. We'll get the chisels out. Hey, Michelle, thanks <laughs> very stuff. much for uh, for coming on and best of luck with everything going forward with, uh, with ice hockey in New Zealand and developing that women's game. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, anytime, anytime. It is uh, 17 away from 10 here on Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Ricardo Ball in for him. Keep your texts coming through. Your Mount Rushmore of all-time Kiwi female athletes. I want to hear from you on double eight double three. That is the Temper Bedpost text machine. We'll come back with some more of those next. ENZ. This is uh, SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith. Smithy is away on the road uh, for the uh, Cricket World Cup. So Ricardo Ball in for him. We are looking at our Mount Rushmore of New Zealand female athletes. And you can get us on our text line, the uh, Temper Bedpost text machine, double eight double three. Zaid has texted through here. My best female athletes are Zoe Sadowski-Sinnett, uh, Sophie Pascoe, Lisa Carrington and Valerie Adams. And my best team... Is the Black Fern Sevens team? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good shout, Zaid. Thank you. Uh, we've also had one come through uh, that uh, has said, uh, "Great sports women: Farah Palmer, Irene Van Dyke, Beatrice Farmawina, and Susan Devoy from yesteryear, and also given us a, uh, a from now a present. Uh, so Val Adams, Lisa Carrington." Uh, Sarah Goss and Sophie Pascoe, bloody legends. Um, and Emma Gilmore, the rally driver, has also uh, got a shout in there as well. Uh, number one, this uh, no name attached to this one, but uh, number one female has to be Erin Baker. 
beat New Zealand male triathlete, triathletes one year and winning the female section at the Hawaii Ironman. And we never had another female athlete who could beat males in the same sport. That's a really good shout. And Brian has texted in, hey guys, one for you to ponder, Linda Jones as well. So there we go. We've got a few. Uh, we'll c- continue to take those throughout the show. You can hit us with those on double eight double three. That is the Temper Bed Post text machine line. And some news has just come through as well from New Zealand football on the Football Foundation Kate Shepherd Cup final. Um, the details have been confirmed. It is going to take place at the FMG Stadium in the Waikato this Sunday. It's the first time it's going to be played in Hamilton, and it's between Hamilton Wanderers and Wellington United. Uh, Hamilton Wanderers got there by beating Coastal Spirit 3-1 in February, and Wellington United beat the Holders Eastern Suburbs 1-0 on Saturday. Uh, game's going to kick off at 2 o'clock, and there is going to be uh, stream coverage live and free on Sky Sport next. So if you're a football fan, that's, that's where you can uh, check that out. Uh, we inc- we will uh, uh, see if we can actually get someone on to talk about that final in the next couple of days as well. Of course, due to the red setting and the COVID uh, protection framework, unfortunately, it's going to be played behind closed doors, uh, which is a real pity. It would be great to have a crowd in there uh, having a look at that. Still to come on mornings with Ian Smith, uh, Emily Drum after 10 o'clock, the former White Ferns going to join us, and we're going to talk about the White Ferns' performance so far in the World Cup. We also have the expertise panel with Dilma uh, coming up after 10. Lavina Good and Dana Johansson from Stuff as well. And uh, we are going to talk to Rachel Froggett after 11.2 from Whisper, the Women in Sport Aotearoa CEO. So plenty more to come, plenty more chats to have and uh, encourage you to get through uh, your messages, text messages to us on the Temper Bedpost text machine, double eight double three. Uh, just another one popped through from Chris. Hey Ricardo, my Mount Rushmore has to be Carrington, Evette Williams, Dame Val and probably Sarah Ulmer, the last individual pursuit women's gold medalist and did the trifecta Commonwealth gold, world champion and Olympic gold all in one cycle and a world record too. Epic. Cheers mate from Chris. Thanks very much Chris for your text. Keep those texts coming through and uh, we will continue to drop them throughout the show or if you want to have a discussion around one of them uh, you can do that as well on 0800 150 811 this is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ a couple of minutes away from 10 o'clock here on uh, Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ Ricardo Ball in for Smithy while he's on the road for the Cricket World Cup uh, we've been asking you to hit our Temper Bedpost text machine uh, Temper and Bedpost range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort because we are putting together the Mount Rushmore of female athletes from New Zealand. A couple more texts through here. Clayton has said, uh, Lisa Allpress, the jockey. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's worth a shout. And uh, Susan DeVoy, uh, no name on this one, but Susan DeVoy has to be worth a shout for Mount Rushmore. To be honest, when I was doing this, that was the first name that popped into my head. So I think she's definitely going to be in my Mount Rushmore. Uh, now, I, the idea uh, today when I talked to producer Logan was that, hey, every guest we have on, let's get their Mount Rushmore pick. And then I forgot to do it with the very first one, Storm Purvis. So, uh, Logan, you've managed to save my butt by giving her a call and, and getting uh, Storm's uh, call for this. Sure, Dad. I mean, always great chat there with uh, Storm 
Purvis talking netball, talking about her career and uh, you know shifting to sports media. I honestly, I can't wait to hear the uh, netball show with you and her uh, center pass. She has been working really hard to try and get netball into the media more. You know, she's doing her thing. Obviously, she's trying to boost her sport up, and uh, I mean, she's doing great things, going great guns. But her pick for uh, Mount Rushmore is Zoe Sadowski Senate. Coolest kid in school, she says, so bloody clutch and skillful and clearly respected by her competitors. I love her, and I think probably a lot of listeners would agree. Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, and how much has Zoe Sadowski Senate done for snow sports in general? And, you know, it's uh, it's just superb what she's done. Time to get to Emma for news the all and new SCNZ. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Three past ten here on Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Ricardo Ball with you in for Smithy, who's on the road uh, doing uh, the hard yards and commentating with Sky on the Cricket World Cup. Coming up in this hour, Lavina Good and Dana Johansson are going to join us for the uh, Dilmar panel, the expertise panel. That coming up at around 20 past ten. And we're going to continue to take your texts and phone calls as well on the Mount Rushmore of female athletes New Zealand has produced. Who are, who are your top four? Who's going on uh, that Mount Rushmore? Um, also, we're going to have a Love Racing update with uh, Louis Herman Watt as well and a live cross with the TAB uh, to get uh, their specials for the day. But right now, we are talking cricket with a part of the team that won New Zealand's only Cricket World Cup back in 2000. Emily Drum, g'day. Emily, how are you doing? Good morning. Very good, thank you. That's the story. How are the hammies? <laughs> the hammies are good. There's no there's no quick singles today, so I'm quite relieved about that. Yeah, that that, that is good. That is that is really good. Now, uh, you know, today it is International Women's Day, and and we are celebrating that by uh, dedicating the show to female athletes, female sports administrators, and uh, journalists as well. And and you know, I wanted to get you on to talk. Obviously, the Cricket World Cup is on our on our back doorstep, and you know, leading into this World Cup, we beat India 4-1 and, and dominated them. One of the teams that's just about nailed on for a semi-final spot. Uh, we absolutely pantsed Australia as well. I mean, you know, chasing 326 and having seven overs and nine wickets up your up your sleeve, um, you, I guess we kind of went into this thinking, oh, mate, this is easy. We're, we're on form. We've bridged the gap. Uh, and then it all came crashing back down to earth against the Windies first up. Uh, it doesn't feel even like the win yesterday against Bangladesh. It doesn't feel like we've quite hit those heights again. No, you're right. And the highs that we reached pre-tournament, they haven't quite carried over or the hangover hasn't come with them yet. So a bit disappointing that we haven't quite reached those heights. And, and I think um, it's changed my expectations. And, and that's what's led me to think, well, it's a bit disappointing. Obviously, we lost to the West Indies when we probably shouldn't have. And it was a bit disappointing yesterday that we didn't have a more convincing display. But I, I think we've got to just keep real and just know that these girls can do it 
on any given day and tournament cricket means that you've got to turn up every time and expect to do it on any given day. So they've got to stay confident and true to their gave them those winning performances before the World Cup and to be fair, before the Indian series, we hadn't had any one day form to speak of. So our expectations have changed dramatically and quite quickly, which is fantastic, just in time. And I think being at home, there's, there's nerves and, and the girls haven't quite settled into potentially that, that bowling and fielding combination hasn't quite clicked yet. The batting's not too bad. Um, we, we saw Sophie grind out a fantastic 100 against the Windies and we, we still nearly won when we went anywhere near what we'd showed in the last six weeks. So a little bit disappointing, but they've got a win yesterday and that was vital that they got their campaign back on track. Yeah, just going back to that Windies game, um, you know, it was disappointing. And I guess one of the things, I was talking to Hamish Bidwell about this um, the other day, was, you know, if this had been the Black Caps and they'd been red-hot favourites to win a game at home in a Cricket World Cup and they had um, choked effectively, um, you know, they'd be getting slaughtered in the press. It doesn't seem to happen with the White Ferns. Do you think New Zealand media is too soft, maybe, um, and doesn't respect female athletes enough just to treat them like we would their male counterparts? Yeah, really good question. And I'm just actually thinking over the last six weeks, there's been so much advertising for this tournament, and it's unbelievable to drive throughout Auckland, and you're seeing signs up and, and um, billboards up of, of the World Cup and ANZ support of the tournament has been fantastic and then I sort of see then I read the newspapers and, and go online and, and I, I do see the articles becoming more and more focused on women or, or at least that split male female certainly coming into the front of of, um, of the around all the advertising that you see when you jump online and so it catches your eye straight away and then you want to read that the content is good too so I'm like reading the content and I think oh you know was that a fair assessment I mean I critique every cricket game whether it's men or women so and I think was the assessment fair was it good was it um, was it reasonable and to be fair it's more and more it's getting critical and that's that's okay as long as it's not brutal and you've got your armchair critics to, to throw in the brutal um, assessment in the comment section. But I'm just delighted, and I don't want to sound grateful at all, I'm just delighted that we're getting really good coverage. And I have no problem with anyone writing an article um, criticising performance, as long as it's constructive and worthy of um, the content. And when you have a tournament of this nature, you've got to expect criticism if you're not performing to the standards that we know and they know they can reach. Yeah, I mean, that uh, game against the Windies, obviously, you know, I mean, it, was, it went down to the wire, and from a, I, I guess from a, uh, a viewership point of view, that's good, right, because, because you don't know the outcome until right near the end. Uh, but it is a game that the White Ferns should have won, and I think if you asked Bob Carter, it would have been won in planning that he would have gone, OK, we get two points from this game, uh, and that goes towards getting us through to a semi-final. So he's having to do a bit of a reinvention there. How much difference is it as a player, and you've been in this situation, playing a warm-up game against India or Australia or whatever, and then playing for real. I mean, w- once the pressure goes on, is it that much different when you're out there playing? Yeah, of course it is. You're only human. And I remember before the um, World Cup in 2000, we played against England in uh, a three-match series, and, and the conditions weren't anything like what we played in the World Cup. Different venue. They were both at home. We played the, the English at home, but different venue, different location. 
and it's just not as spicy. There's just not as much on it, and you know that deep down. You know that. So I can only assume and predict that first game nerves really did not help the Kiwis and just didn't hit their stride, didn't hit the heights that they'd come from. And um, the senior players probably need to take responsibility for that. And I don't want to single out anyone for that, but they know who they are. Um, and you're going to have some pressure points come on in, in any types of games, but you cannot beat how important it is in a World Cup to win those winnable games. And, and, and they know that. And that's why yesterday was, it was I was hoping for a, a really strong bounce back. Didn't quite get what I wanted to see, but just... I hope that that Wendy's game doesn't linger for long because they've got to get on with it. But there's such a quick turnaround between games, so they have to focus on what's next, which is a pretty big game looming in, in a couple of days. Yeah, yeah. I mean, India is going to be a different prospect from the, the team we beat 4-1, right? Uh, I guess, Absolutely. You know, looking at that game, I mean, how Leah Tahu performed with the ball yesterday, uh, does that call into question her place in the team for India, given her her recent form? Um, oh, look, I mean, it's a fair question, but I don't think so. She's our number one gun. Mm. And I, I'm hoping that Jacob Warham and, and Bob Carter are, are talking to her about what they expect from her and what they know she can deliver. We have to go in with all the weapons that we've got to try and win the game. That, that's what, it in a nutshell. We have to go in with the stronger side and... She is our strongest opening bowler. Yesterday, Hannah Rowe didn't bowl. So, you know, shortened game, I granted, I, I take that as she didn't need to and, and the spin did the job, which against the opposition was fine. Um, but we have to go into that game feeling super confident that we've bowled these guys out, that we've actually done it before. Leah's had success against them only a month ago. So it just depends on... on what side, what makeup we want to go into, and, and whilst the full one result is great, the bearing that that will have on Thursday won't be much at all. And you know, World Cup, this is a this is blow the table wide open World Cup kind of game. So girls know it's it's lurking in their minds, and they know that they've had success against India. So that's the thing; they've got to take that success mentally with them into tomorrow's game and, and demand the same from them again. What did you make of uh, Leah's two overs against Bangladesh? What do you think the issue was? Was that line? Was it length? Was it, uh, I mean, was it just where she was putting the ball? Yeah, a bit of both. Just just a um, little bit of action problems, maybe getting a little bit slingy. slingy. Um, so just a bit round arm, as, as we say. Probably just not feeling... I know that was a wet outfield, and I know they would have been... Leah has, has carried some, some bad injuries through her career, so... Um, I really wanted her to stay injury-free after that game tomorrow because I saw how the players were sliding round and sliding into um, into fielding any deliveries and she took an excellent catch in, in tricky conditions. So it was important that she came out of that game injury-free, but I would just would have liked to have seen her bowl fuller. Every time we pitched the ball either short of a length or short, any width, so we even just it just sat up and they just cross-batted it. So... It was a length that led her down, and then as soon as you get a little bit wide, it was too easy for these batsmen. Yeah, yeah, that was. Uh, I think she went for nineteen off those two overs. What, what about uh, India then? I mean, that, that's our next opponent. We've talked about the four-one. We have seen them in action in this World Cup. Uh, they struggled a bit with the bat against Pakistan, but were quite dominant with the ball. Yeah, it's it's hard to know. 
you know, playing against the subcontinent sides, they, they're a little bit Jekyll and Hyde. You never know what's going to turn up. And, and all of the times that I've played against India, you always knew in the back of their mind they had the ability to pull something out of the bag, but you never know, knew when it was coming. So they didn't have the consistency like in Australia or England who, who are solid performers. So the challenge that the Kiwis have got is trying to take wickets against the Indian side. There's no point trying to contain so much. They're too strong for that. You know, the Mandanas and, and the Harmafreak cause it they're just too they're too flamboyant and too good of players to, to bog them down and wear them down. So um, it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out and, and to me it, it looks already like fielding's gonna play a big, big part in this World Cup because the ball's been hit so much more to the boundary and if you can't hold your catches then you're gonna be really struggling. Why do you think that is that we, we're seeing more boundaries being hit at this World Cup? Is that just the uh, evolution of uh, athletes now as, as professionals and, and, and being able to dedicate more time to their craft? Yeah, absolutely. That and better conditions, better wickets, um, more time to practice, prepare. It's just professionalism showing its worth and the value of that coming home to, to roost for these guys. So it's fantastic, and, and the, the, the downside of that as a fielder, you're going to touch the ball a lot more than what you're used to. So if you're, if you're getting smashed around the park for 300-odd runs, you're going to see a bit of the ball, and that's going to be either along the ground or in the air. So you need to be on your game, but that's tiring. Three hours in the heat of the day or, or constantly having to concentrate, it's a different... Like T20, you can do it for short periods of time. It's only 20 overs, but 50 overs you're always having to stay on your game and that you get that once one chance or, or two chances, you've got to make it count. So you don't want to drop your concentration. So that's, that's the key for me is, is being ready, switching off in between balls and making sure that you're actually up for every delivery and, and using that as a single event every time for 300-odd balls. It, it's the only way to go. Otherwise, you just, you're just going to be exhausted, especially deep into the, into the 40 overs through to 50. Now here's a question for you. Emily, we've got um, the next four games uh, all look pretty tough. India, Australia, South Africa, England, and we finish with Pakistan. So that's the rest of the uh, the round robin. Um, Bob Carter took a bit of a punt, I think, uh, in putting 17-year-old Fran Jonas in the team for the first game against the Windies. Uh, she went at six and a half runs and over in her six overs and then uh, made a bit of a... Uh, a bad call, a bit of a panicked call with that run and and got run out without facing a ball. At what point does he inject her back into the team or is this a case of, look, you know, Frankie Mackay's got the experience, we stick with her? Yep, good question again. It's a tough tournament to make sure that you... It's not a rotating tournament. It's going to be really hard how they go about that. They may rest some players against Pakistan, but... You just can't afford a banana skin. You've got to make sure that everyone's ready. And the likes of Hannah Rowe, who actually had a, a pretty decent series against India, needs to get some bowling under the belt. So if Leah did fall over, we, we're okay. We're going to survive. Um, but Fran Jonas, look, she she had a tough introduction to that West Indian game. Probably bowled a little bit loopy, may not have had the right field. And, yeah, look, let's not talk about the end of the it's um, it's not her job to to win the game for New Zealand with the bat, but um, yeah, certainly she'd want to take that back. And if she had the opportunity to again to do it again, I'm sure there'd be a different outcome. But I, I think she may get another run against Pakistan if if if. But I just don't think there's going to be too many changes. But 
it's just a lot of travel, play, train, travel, play, train, and I'm just concerned around the workload of some of these players. So gone are the days of the easy games where, where you could know you could rest certain players. So it's all about workload, how fresh the players are feeling, and you know how fit they are. So lots to think and ponder about, I'm sure, for the management team of the White Ferns. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Emily Drummer with us, part of the SENZ call crew here. We have all the White Ferns games live uh, on SENZ, former White Fern herself, of course. And Emily, today we are doing the Mount Rushmore uh, of New Zealand female athletes. If you had to pick one New Zealand female athlete uh, to go on a Mount Rushmore of our all-time greatest four, who would you pick? Oh, this one's really easy for me. Susan Devoy. Susan Devoy. Nice call, nice call. All right, hey, Emily, thanks very much for your time today. Uh, good luck with the calls for the rest of the tournament, and uh, no doubt we'll talk again soon. Okay, thanks very much. Cheers. Emily Drum with us, our former White Fern and former World Cup winner as well. This is SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith, Ricardo Ball in for Smithy. Up next, it is the Expertise Panel with Dilma. All winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The Expertise Panel, brought to you by Dilma. Do try it. It's 10.24 here on uh, Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Smithy is on the road with the Cricket World Cup, so Ricardo Ball in for him. Uh, joining us on our expertise panel today is uh, Dana Johansson, National Correspondent for Stuff. Uh, she's a Voyager Media Awards winner, I think five times, and she's working on, at the moment, producing a great piece of content called State of the Union. Uh, hello, Dana, how are you? Sure, Ricardo, I'm great, thanks. Thank you. And also uh, joining us for the expertise is uh, our old mate, Lavina Good. You might, might recognise her from Sideline at the Warriors, doing interviews at half and full time. And amongst other things, Lavina, how are you doing? Mate, I've had a Barry Crocker start to the day. I'd love to share this with you and Dana. I'm home with a COVID case. Last time I spoke to you, Ricardo, which was like 12 hours ago, I didn't have a COVID case in the house. And I've woken up to a 14-year-old with a positive test. And I've decided to wash extra sheets and extra towels and my washing machine is broken. No need for you to find the seven-second delay, Ricardo. I won't swear right now, but I haven't had the best start to the day, buddy. Not going to lie. No, well, I tell you, I tell you another story, and Dana, forgive us for for uh, for the COVID yarn, but uh, I got to work at five thirty last night, uh, and I had I'd done a rat test before I came in, and it had been negative. And about ten minutes after I arrived at work and was prepping for the show, my partner messaged me to say that our nine-year-old daughter had just tested positive. So <laughs> I'm also crazy, locked yeah. down for the next ten days. So there you go. You're out, mate. You're tapping yeah, out. Make sure you go home and do the washing, Ricardo. Be productive. Oh, yeah, ex- yeah we, we're, we're getting into that. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. Everything's getting cleaned and washed <laughs> and boiled to within an inch of its life. But, uh, Dana, we should <laughs> we should talk um, your State of the Union, uh, the the things you're doing. I know Ricky Jane Swinnell's running a lot of the video stuff. Or you're doing a lot of the writing uh, for it. And it is about the State of Rugby Union in New Zealand from a, a female point of view from the women's game. Um what sparked you to doing this and what have you found since uh, digging in? Yeah, I think, I guess the main impetus was for it is that this year is a huge year for women's rugby and, and all women's sport, really. We've got the Cricket World Cup going on at the moment as well. Um, but in terms of rugby, we've got Super Rugby Opiki, which was due to start the weekend. So, um, yeah, COVID is obviously top of mind for everyone at the moment. Um 
and also a World Cup later in this year. So um, I think, you know, it, obviously it's going to be a time for celebrating strides made, but also it's a good time to stop and actually take a critical look at what is going on in women's rugby and not just um, sort of pat each other on the back and say, look at, look at what we've done here. Um, so I guess uh, the key learning so far is, is that there has been huge change, particularly over the, the past decade. It's been really accelerated with um, Rugby Sevens being included in the Olympic program. Um, but probably what we're seeing is that the pathways still aren't there at a, at a younger level. And so while we've had this huge growth of the top, there isn't really the talent base to support it at the moment because you see, you know, once you get to, you sort of, see kids picking up a ball and running with it from the age of about five or six and they can muck in with the boys and play ripper rugby but once they get to 10 or 11 they don't want to play with the boys or they're too scared to tackle the boys um, there isn't really an avenue or an outlet for them and so rugby are losing those participants um, to other sports and you know some of them aren't, aren't sort of reconnecting with the game and if they are it's not until very into a lot later so they're missing out on a lot of skill development and that raise player welfare issues as well. Lavina, I mean, you're uh, uh, you've been a sports journalist for for a number of years, and you've got children as well who are, who are participants in sport. Uh, I know that maybe they haven't played rugby. What's been, but what has been your experience with your kids coming through, particularly your daughter and and sport and the opportunities for say a sport like rugby? I think a couple of things resonated with me then listening to Dana. I think um, when I was overseas with Ricky Jane Swinnell um, commentating on the Olympics in Tokyo, it really stood out for me. I was surrounded by 75 international commentators and they were more interested in watching the women's rugby sevens final and game than what they were the men's and that wouldn't have happened 20 years ago so that stands in my mind and even just recently at the Winter Olympics the women's ice hockey final um, generated a lot more interest than what the men's did um, amongst the commentators so I agree at that first class level there's there's a lot of interest and there's lots of people watching which is great but the fact that we're losing kids um, to the sport at a younger level I actually I think Lavina's dropped off there. Um, and we'll try and get her back. But Dana, yeah, I mean, it feels like I've watched um, the series that's available so far on stuff.co.nz, and I, I think it was Darren Berry who was the professor uh, professor that you had on uh, about the free market. And you know, a lot of people say, "Oh, it's a free market. That's why there's no money in women's sport." But really, I mean, without uh, the Blackfern Sevens team. Uh, a lot of what has been possible for the Olympics and for rugby in general, particularly New Zealand rugby, your sponsorships like AIG, wouldn't have been doable, correct? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we often hear, but it's the All Blacks that bring in all the money, and so why should we filter some of that through to the women's game? But um, I hate to break it to you, but the All Blacks pay for basically all of rugby. So um, they're paying for Heartland Championship, they're paying for other initiatives, and you don't hear people sort of standing on the sidelines of men's under 85 grade games going, you know, just take your willowy frames and jog on, you're not bringing us in any money. So um, you've got to think, you know, what the health of the game isn't just what's happening in the top level and those elite teams and how much sort of profit they're making you. It's, it's what's happening at the grassroots level. And if you don't have a strong participation base, the game dies. And, you know, where are the opportunities to grow the participation base? It's in the women's game. They are the fastest growing side of the sport that I think over the last three years um, 
women's girls and women's playing numbers have increased by 40% over that same time period. The men's male numbers have dropped 3.9%. So not a marked decline, but still, you know, the way things are tracking, you're relying on that woman um, sort of playing base to prop up the game and bring in subs and keep club doors open. Yeah, I think that's a really good point you make. And you we will we will get more into that. This is the expertise panel with Dilma Lavina Good and Dana Johansson from Stuff.co.nz with us. We're going to take news now with Emma, but when we come back, we will continue this discussion. The expertise panel brought to you by Dilma. Do try. There's something wrong with the tea slurper, isn't there? Uh, it's 26 away from 11. Uh, Lavina Good is back with us as part of the expertise panel. Lavina, we've had a text through for you as well. Uh, just put the stuff out in the sun. The dryer yeah, is also good for sanitising. You don't have to worry about washing it, okay? Uh, That's what I they're saying. I wash it all, mate. I t- I, honestly, I pick the kids' clothes up. They smell fine. I put it back in the drawer. I don't worry about it too much. <laughs> nice. It is a bit stressful. But just at the end of that conversation, I was trying to say that I think women's sport is starting to become exceptionally popular, but I agree that the resources certainly need to be there so that we don't lose future athletes and that's really really important to identify it at a young age and the other thing is domestic sport the more domestic sport we have of women the more on television the more coverage we have when people identify who these athletes are the more popular it will be at an international level so it's a bit of a catch-22 you need to have the coverage to know who they are to get the resources and the money and the advertising and that's something that we have to look at in the future for sure for every sport not just for rugby yeah, that's right. I mean, to get the Portia Woodmans and Michaela Blyde's, uh, you know, uh, running around on the international stage, we need to we need to feed grassroots, and, and you know, I think that's a lot of what uh, you're talking about, uh, Dana, in your uh, State of the Union uh, series that you are producing. One one thing I wanted to ask you was uh, Rob Nickel was quoted in in one of those uh, pieces of saying. Um, uh, you know, talking about professional having professional rugby players, but in the next breath saying, you know, a lot of these players have jobs they have to keep, uh, they have to do to keep going. So, are they truly professional, or is is that really a little bit of uh, using that term to make it look all rosy? Like, hey, we've got professional female athletes. I mean, for me, if you're a professional, it means you don't have to do anything other than your job as an athlete. Yeah, currently in the 15s game, there are 30 professional athletes. 30 women are able to earn a full-time living from the game and it is their number one priority. I think that what Rob Nicol was talking about in that context was the new Super Rugby Opiki competition where... um, You've got four teams, squads of 28 players. So within that, there's a there's a big spread of talent. So you've got players that might be straight out of high school that only pick the ball up sort of when they're 13, 14 um, versus seasoned professional black ferns. So um, it was balancing, I guess, that, that spread of talent. And so with this competition, which hopefully will kick off on Thursday, um, there is, I, I think what's happened is, is that but that's what's causing a lot of the issues around, you know, these players are only contracted for four days a week officially under under this system. Um, so with COVID, you know, having to bring them into camp and into bubbles and, and that's why the, the competition was reduced to only 16 days because um, that's all they're sort of allowed contractually. Yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, I thought when uh, Super Rugby Alpeki was announced and it was going to be a month, and I'm like, well, that's not enough. You know, we've seen the Black Ferns um, absolutely handed their backsides in Europe at the end of last year by France and England. We're a long way behind those teams, and we've got a World Cup here in October. How are we going to bridge that gap? So for it to then be reduced further to 16 days, 
I don't know if this is too harsh to say, but it feels like tokenism from New Zealand rugby. I mean, if this was Super Rugby men's and you had an outbreak of COVID in the Hurricanes camp, do you think they would cancel the game against the Blues and just share the points? I don't think they would. Yeah, I think um, the issue, there's a lot of competing issues around this, this one's rugby. Um, as I say, they're not, it's a semi-professional competition. They've got players that are only contracted for four days a week, so that was where the, the problem lay. Um, and I think there's a lot of caution in the expansion because of what I mentioned before around the player welfare issues. There's this massive disparity in talent um, and so it's a big ask for some of these young kids that are straight out of high school to come in into what was supposed to be, you know, a, pro- a sort of semi-professional environment, supposed to be playing in front of crowds, um, in big stadiums, um, in, in front of, you know, on TV for the first time. And that was where I, I guess the needs had to be balanced. But yeah, absolutely. Um, I think probably what this has shown is that um, NZ Rugby have left it a little bit too late on the runway to be starting to prepare the, the, the players for the World Cup when you look at what's happening over in the UK. Um, England have been playing a, a top-tier uh, competition, the Allianz League, since 2017. They've had massive investments since the last World Cup in 2017. That, and I think probably New Zealand rugby have, have left their run too late. Mm. Yeah, Lavina, what was what was your take on that and the, and the way that New Rugby have handled this? I think it was evident to us as, as in regards to the performance overseas from um, the New Zealand women's side and they were up against an English rugby side that played professionally and have been doing so since 2017. So when you're playing against a side that, you know, isn't disturbed by um, the coronavirus as much as what's happening here. But I guess back then in 2017-18, things should have been put in place in terms of the disruptions that would be played here. And I, and I guarantee, Ricardo, let's just come out and say it, if it was the men's rugby team, then things would have been put into place. And I understand that um, New Zealand rugby don't really want to be dragged over the coals, which is fair enough, but there is disparity. And I think that that needs to be identified. And until we identify it and advocate it, then it will continue. So, yeah, they've been left in the lurch and the expectation will be there for them to perform superbly well at a world-class level, but they haven't had the opportunity because, you know, a virus hit us down here. We're a long way from everywhere else and the resources weren't put into place to make sure that we can develop some of these young players. And if we're not careful in 15 to 20 years' time, because 15 to 20 years ago, no one watched women's rugby, and then all of a sudden, lots of people are watching women's rugby. Unless we take a good look at it now and seeing what's happening, we won't be watching it in 15 to 20 years either, which would be absolutely tragic. All right, uh, Dana, we are doing the Mount Rushmore of New Zealand female athletes today. Uh, if there was one name you had to put up there as to be one of the all-time four greats, we're going to chisel into the side of the mountain. Uh, what name are you going to give me? Oh, I think um, Dame Valerie Adams, you know, you, obviously top of mind because she's just announced her retirement, but you you just look at what she has done um, in both her sport on the field and off the field. And she is now looking to sort of further her legacy in terms of coaching and, and helping young, young Pacifica women. And I think that's a real credit to her. And um, yeah, she's, and she's a great personality as well, as, as you all you'll know. Yeah, indeed. And uh, Lavina, yours? I've got a real soft spot for Sada Hineni, Um and I, I really always have had um, when she was Hineni. <laughs> and I, I actually always um, thought Wahini Toa here because she's just one of those women that is strong and powerful and carries the weight of a nation. But whenever I'm looking for someone to, to support me here in the Bay of Plenty when I've got a charitable cause, she's my first 
port of call. And as soon as I give her a call, she's the first one to say, yep, I'll support you with that, Lavina. It's for a good cause. And and this woman is the Richie McCaw of the rugby world, you know, in terms of male or female. She's a remarkable athlete and she's got so, she's so humari and has so much humbleness about her. It's so incredibly um, humbling for me to ever come across her. And the fact that she gives up so much of her time and energy, not just to win a gold medal for her country, but also to do so much for so many other people. She's the one that definitely deserves, in my eyes, to have her names, her name mounted and rocked out on Rushmore for sure. Indeed. All right. Hey, listen, thank you very much, Lavina. Thank you very much, Dana. Uh, I've, I've enjoyed the chat. We could have gone uh, so much longer, so much more to cover, but uh, I, I trust you enjoy your day and, uh, and uh, Lavina, um, try and stay COVID-free. You too, Dana? I'll give, it a, I'll give it a nudge, mate. I'll give it a good old nudge. Thank you. This is uh, Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. That was our Dilmar Expertise panel. We'll be back after this. It's 13 away from 11 here on SENZ. Mornings with Ian Smith. Smithy is obviously on the road with the Cricket World Cup, so Ricardo Ball filling in for him. And uh, we have been asking all morning about your Mount Rushmore for female athletes, uh, New Zealand female athletes, on International Women's Day. And I uh, had plenty of texts coming through uh, on that. Uh, Jared has said, uh, my top four Kiwi women, Susan Devoy, Lisa Carrington, Barbara Kendall, and Yvette Williams. So thanks very much, Jared, for your uh, message. And uh, Dave has also sent one through. Uh, this is what Dave has said. He, uh, my Mount Rushmore, very hard as there are so many worthy recipients. Paige Harrop getting on the pro circuit is extremely hard. Sam Spratt, most group one wins of any women in, uh, woman in the world. Uh, yeah, I think uh, you've mentioned Honey Smiler in there as well. I think uh, there's some some really good shouts uh, coming in on the text line. That is, of course, our Temper Bed Post text machine, double eight double three. Get yours in. Um, Steve has said, uh, Kia ora, Ricardo, Val Adams, Susan Devoy, Barbara Kendall, and Alison Rowe for him. And uh, I think Alison Rowe is here, probably a, a name that hasn't come up uh, yet. Uh, Carolyn, uh, good, good to have a woman chipping in here. Uh, Carolyn, uh, she She'd have to, she says, uh, Yvette Williams, Susan Devoy, Erica Baker, Val Adams, and if we had a coach, and this is a really good point actually, because we haven't talked coaches a lot, but if we had a coach, Lois Muir, the great Silver Ferns coach, I think uh, that's a really good shout. Thanks for your text, Carolyn. Keep them coming through on double eight double three. Now, we have had uh, a text come in here. Uh, I'm not sure of the name, but it says the term growth is thrown around quite generically. What is the definition of growth? How is it measured? What data are people using? Remove gender from the discussion. And when you have product A versus product B, all businesses invest for a return. Uh, well, I don't know that we can necessarily disagree with that. But I mean, in terms of, uh, you know, businesses do want a return, but businesses also have a way that if they're going to invest, as a sponsorship, for example, that they want to be seen, and I think uh, you know if you check out the state of the Na- uh, state of the union uh, pieces that uh, Dana Johansson, who was just on our uh, expertise panel, there has. There is, he's not wrong there. Uh, the person they texted in, you need to have uh, return on your investment. I mean, that is how business works. But this, the other thing there is, as Lavina touched on in our uh, Dilma panel, 
is that you need to put the time in first as well. We need to know who these people are. We need to put names and faces out there and sort of create personality so that we grow this sense of attachment and we start to really cheer for these teams. I mean, I think the big one here is look at the Black Ferns Sevens. Look at the way they sort of captured uh, the imagine, you know, the nation and not just us, but also around the world. The BBC uh, in the UK, they fell in love with Ruby Tui after that interview that she gave. And that was just showing and, you know, showcasing the personality that comes out of that team, the sort of sisterhood and family that rotates around that seven squad. Uh, we need to see more of that. We need to see more of our uh, female athletes out there. And obviously we have the Lisas. We have the Dame Vals. Uh, sorry, Lisa is also a Dame now. And, you know, there's more coming through. You know, you hear people like Olivia McTaggart on the afternoon show with Staffy. These people are out there. But to see that return, we really need to invest in them as people as well. It's not just all about the money. It's not. And interesting, there's a guy, uh, David Berry, who's a professor at the uh, Southern Utah University that was quoted in uh, one of Dana's articles. And uh, yeah, basically the bottom line uh, that she put to him was, why should we invest in the women's game when they don't bring in any money? Uh, let the free market dictate what the ladies get. Um, you know, And that was something that has been thrown at women's sport a lot. Uh, and his reply to that I thought was really interesting. He said, that's ridiculous. That's not what's happening. Women's sport was literally banned by men. So there is discrimination that goes back a century or so and then eventually they removed the bands and said well okay you can play but we're not going to give you any support we're not going to give you any investment so that's not a free market it's one that is rigged against female athletes uh, I, I highly recommend checking out that state of the union uh, there is some great reading and some great watching in there it is eight away from 11 here on SENZ away from 11 here on SENZ mornings with Ian Smith Smithy on the road with the uh, Cricket World Cup so Ricardo Ball in for you uh, till at 12 o'clock and uh, joining us down from the TAB is uh, the man they call B-Pops, Brennan Popperwell. How are you doing, buddy? Ricardo, great to be catching up. How are you doing, Tim? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Good, good, good. And uh, what is keeping you busy at the TAB? I imagine there's uh, lots of Cricket World Cup stuff going on. Certainly is, and um, it's the, the hot property again uh, today, of course, with uh, Australia against Pakistan. And a, a match that is not gaining a lot of interest around the head-to-head market. Of course, Australia unbackable uh, at present, but Pakistan is sitting at $16. But in the last 20 minutes, Ricardo, now this will really interest you. I, I like having a bet, and I'm sure you do, and a lot of people listening. But this is certainly a little bit different. We've taken a $39,000 bet on Australia to win the toss. $39,000 on the toss? <laughs> so... Yes, that's what has literally come through in the last 10 minutes, Ricardo. Wow, that is amazing. Um, I mean, you know, to be honest, I mean, if this was the Black Caps playing, I wouldn't be putting money on us to win the toss. I don't know about you with Kane's record. (laughs) It's right. Yeah, it's it's staggering, isn't it? Look, I will say we took a similar bet in the very first game in the White Ferns match where there was uh, 40,000 on the White Ferns to win the toss. They did exactly that, so might be a case where the punter's finding uh, a little edge in the market somewhere, maybe in ninety on the toss is where they're looking. So uh, also just around the match too, uh, Alyssa Healy very well supported to be a top run scorer. And if you do place a bet in the head-to-head market, for instance, if you back Pakistan at the $16, but uh, uh, do lose the match, but it is within the final 10 overs, you do get back up to a $50 bonus bet. So that's where the interest is in the cricket, Ricardo. And just on the basketball, we have some money on the Timberwolves 
over 133 points uh, for them to score. We've had a thousand on that at five dollars uh, and five cents. So that's taking a lot of uh, traction around that uh, particular match for the Timberwolves. Yeah, nice, mate. Nice. Hey, but B-Pops, before we let you go, mate, we've, we've been doing the uh, Mount Rushmore uh, today of New Zealand female athletes. I mean, if you're going to chisel one face into a Mount Rushmore of top New Zealand female athletes, uh, which face is it going to be? Wow. Any sport. Yeah, any sport, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, I always thought, especially from a racing perspective, Linda Jones was a great, you know, ambassador for, for New Zealand racing, and she was she was basically... Uh, she's paved the way for our jockeys. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. I can get you off of my mind. Why do I keep wasting my time? Man, you make it easy for me. So why can't I? This is SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith. Four past 11, Ricardo Ball in for Smithy, who's uh, on the World Cup circuit with Sky TV at the moment. We are doing the Mount Rushmore of Kiwi female athletes. Which four faces are you chiselling into the side of a mountain? Let us know on the Temper Bed Post text machine. temper and bedpost like no other coming up this hour yeah, your chance to uh, win with T, uh, stumped by smithy we've got that uh, 50 dollar tab voucher and sleep drops for you to win as well we'll recap that mount rushmore as well so get your options in there and we'll catch up with staffy as well but before we do all of that our next guest is Rachel Froggett from uh, Whisper, which is Women in Sport Aotearoa. She is the CEO. Uh, welcome, Rachel, and uh, happy International Women's Day. Kia ora. Thank you very much. It's actually our birthday today as well, so I'm actually having a really brilliant day today. It <laughs> is outstanding. When, when you, when you uh, founded uh, or were involved in the founding of, of Whisper, was uh, uh, pairing it with International Women's Day uh, an idea, or was it a happy accident? It actually was. Our first meeting, um, as I recall, was slightly before my time, actually. I was a bit late to the party. Um, the Our co-founders, Jolly Patterson and Sarah Lieberman, got our 22 foundation members together at the end of 2016 and asked them quite a simple question. You know, Do we think that the sports system will be able to achieve equity on its own or does it need a, a positive intervention? And obviously the, the answer was pretty unanimous that it needed help. Uh, and Women in Sport Aotearoa was born and launched on International Women's Day 2017. Now you've written a, a great article which is in uh, newsroom.co.nz today about a milestone day for women in sport in Aotearoa mm. um, and, and obviously you've been involved for a while and you've talked about the you know the four uh, big events coming up, the one that's currently underway, the Cricket World Cup, uh, we have the Women's Rugby World Cup in October, the Football World Cup co-hosting uh, in 2023 as well and the International Working Group Conference here in November mm. as well. Uh, you guys are busy. It, it, it feels like since 2016. You've, you, you have achieved a lot. How does it feel from your point of view? Do you know, it's a really nice thing to stop and I think take a little bit of a stock. You know, I, when I was writing the article for Newsroom, I was, I was kind of thinking about how lonely it was. You know, five years ago, we were sort of out on our own. There wasn't a lot of system or political interest in addressing the inequities in sport. 
And I think one of the things I, I've found that's just been so special over the last five years has been the enormous kind of you know wave of support that's grown from a few dozen people five years ago to I think thousands you know today and there's thousands up and down the country right now delivering the Women's Cricket World Cup to such a spectacular standard you know we just couldn't have imagined what that would look like five years ago so it has changed a lot and one of the things we're excited about today and we've launched is a brand new women in sport Aotearoa insight hub and we're actually inviting people all over the sport and our recreation system to tell us their stories of the things that they are doing to improve the experiences for women and girls in sport and recreation you know show us examples and case studies and research and insights to help one another because there's so many people doing great work we can all learn from from one another so we've come a long way <laughs> yeah I bet you have I mean from the outside looking in you know I look at it and I think well uh, we've definitely seen a growth in the profile of female athletes at the top end talking you know the white ferns the black ferns the football ferns um, Zoe Sadowski said at some of our Olympians and then mm-hmm. you know the real grassroots the kids coming in that feel good factor you know when you see uh, five or six mm-hmm. year olds uh, girls running around playing whatever sport it is um, and, and those are great things and, and we're seeing more and more of that but it feels to me like your biggest challenge uh, in terms of getting not only recognition for but also funding for and opportunities for will, mm. would be that, that group of women in the middle who want to play social sport uh, and, and maybe want to progress from maybe high school athletes into something else that isn't mm. at the top end. Yeah, and and I think that is the crux of the work that we still need to do as a sport and recreation system across Aotearoa. We've made massive strides, as you've just described, in the elite level um, and even at the sort of school sports level in terms of diversifying opportunities for young girls and young women um, to get involved in sport. And actually Sport New Zealand's just um, released a new campaign called It's My Move, which is directed at teenage girls about getting them moving in non-traditional ways you know, outside of the sport. Um, organised sports system you might say but you're absolutely right it is that middle group and that's the bit that we need to chip away at and there's a lot of research that shows that women start to drop drop off from playing sport or getting involved in recreation from university age onwards and as they move into their careers and as they perhaps start families and things like that they actually drop away and often don't come back until their late sort of 30s early 40s and there's a huge gap in the middle there so why is the system not servicing that group you know as well as it, as it could there's a whole raft of issues going on there around you know the lack of available you know opportunities venues not being appropriate you know particularly bathroom facilities and change facilities um, the fact that things are not convenient you know I often use a, an example of my my cousin who has three young children um, under the age of 10 and the only recreational sport in her community is social netball which is from 6 till sort of 7 30 8 o'clock at night which is exactly when she's feeding her kids and organizing them for the next day you know so we need to think about actually shaping the system around the needs of the user as opposed to delivering a kind of one-size-fits-all and expecting the user to fit into that. Yeah, I mean, it feels like it's the easy thing and the obvious thing to say, but I guess it's about availability of people to run things and availability of venues. Mm. But, um, you know, you talk about uh, your cousin, for example, and, you know, that's bedtime and, and dinner time for the kids, mm. uh, six to later. Mm. It feels like, uh, for my, you know, I know stay-at-home mums isn't so much of a thing anymore, but it's, it's really during mm. the day, isn't it? It's in those school hours that is really where you need to make the availability. 
Yeah, and there's some really interesting innovations happening around the country. Netball's actually a really good example of this, where they have social netball at lunchtime, which yeah. I think is fantastic, because that's actually when particularly mums who might be perhaps only working a few days a week or might be you know, managing things around school-age kids, it's a perfect opportunity for them to get together and have a social interaction. And particularly in the wake of, and I say the wake, uh, tongue-in-cheek of COVID-19, you know, and the impacts that that's had on well-being and health and mental health in particular, that social connection and that ability to actually be able to feel part of a community and not isolated is really, really important, and sport plays an enormous role in that. It, yeah, it does, it does, and obviously that is a challenge going forward for, for, for Whisper, but I mean, we did mention at the at the start there, you know, the big events uh, that are coming up, mm. well, one is here, the Cricket World Cup at the moment, how have you noticed uh, since your involvement in Whisper uh, the change and the visibility mm. of top level women's sport and I, I guess mm. um, having people embrace it and, and show genuine interest? Mm. And I think you can trace it back, you know, sort of, you know, early early doors for, for women for Aotearoa. Fairly soon after we were established, um, we obviously had a change of government and an incoming uh, Sport and Recreation Minister, the Honourable Grant Robertson, who just laid his, his, you know, stick right out at the very beginning and said achieving equity within the sport and recreation system for women and girls, for people with disabilities and for other disadvantaged groups is my most important you know goal over the next few years and what's been really impressive is he's been completely immovable from that and he's been able to bring sport new zealand high performance sport new zealand the sports system along that journey and path we've been able to contribute to that as we go along as well um and I think that one of the big, you know, outcomes of that, um, and it's funny because people often talk about, you know, you must be so grateful that the, the World Cups have come. And it's like, well, they haven't come by accident. <laughs> They've come by strategy. You know, and there's been a huge number of people working in the background across multiple government, um, you know, in, uh, ministries to, to bring those here. But also massive credit to, to New Zealand cricket, to New Zealand rugby and to New Zealand football for their vision and their investment and their commitment to growing the women's game in those three codes and what's been really impressive is the legacy programming that they've built in behind it so it's not this kind of huge flash in the pan for you know four or five weeks it's actually got an entire growth strategy and investment behind it whether uh, actually coming back to your earlier question about actually keeping girls in sport for a lot longer so inspiring that, that younger group to have role models you know like your Sophie Devine but actually then continuing on and following through and continuing healthy you know lifestyles um, right into adulthood. Yeah, and that is uh, that is a challenge, and, and once again, it is about availability, and it is about, uh, as you mentioned, facilities mm. that are uh, that that are right for for everyone. Um, Mm. What about uh, in terms of the general mindset of, uh, I guess, of the public and of corporates uh, mm. and, and you, uh, you've addressed government uh, towards female sport and female participation? I mean, what are the mm. uh, are there still uh, uh, some that hold back, uh, you know, hold things back, or, or are you finding that it is changing? Oh, it's definitely changing. It's changed a lot. Um, we've been under, able to unpack some quite established ideas, to be honest, about about the involvement of women and girls in sport and recreation over the last five years. And I think the amazing thing I think about it is that when you have those key influences right at the front being very visible, very loud, very committed to what they're doing, it often brings more and more interested parties into the mix. And over the last couple of years, we've seen some really great work emerge from um, organisations like Spark Sport, who are a partner of ours, 
who has put in um, you know mandates around balance of presenters, balance of, of coverage of women's sport, etc. So there's a real kind of commitment at that top end there. But we're also starting to see, and, and I'd love to see more of this, and I appreciate that it's, it's held back by COVID-19, but much more investment from our corporate and business um, partners into women's sport and into that growth. I think there's an awful lot of research that says that a lot of consumer decisions are made by, you know, either in partnership between um, the, the man and the woman or the, the woman and the woman or the man and the man, you know, often uh, we find business are directing a lot of their messaging at one person, you know, in the, in the family group. And actually being able to broaden that and be able to have a conversation with women and the decision makers in the household that way um, could actually drive a lot of awareness and, and product development opportunities for a lot of businesses. And we're seeing some really great work from organisations like ANZ who are, are doing a spectacular job with the Women's Cricket World Cup at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting. Uh, Dana Johansson, I don't know if you've, uh, you're aware of it, but she's uh, halfway through a series called State of the Union about rugby in New yep. Zealand, women's rugby in New Zealand. And David Berry uh, is a professor on the free market that she had on, and, you know, he talked mm. about AIG and their involvement with New Zealand rugby. Yeah. Uh, and while that sponsorship was on the all-black jersey, AIG were very mm. much, they want women as part of the mm. image that they are portraying. So uh, the Black Ferns were as much uh, the sell for them on that as the All Blacks yeah. were. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I absolutely think that that comes, um, you know, AIG, a perfect example of this, that global mentality is, is very progressive compared to sometimes still what we're seeing in the domestic market here. Um, but we'd love, to, you know, those examples are so perfect because other organisations can see what can be done with those properties and actually work with them um, to understand the potential in terms of reaching consumers through those, those opportunities. But, um, yeah, I, what I loved about the AAG campaign, you probably remember they had a great um, commercial a couple of years ago that equally balanced the All Blacks and the Black Ferns and the yeah. way that they presented them and the and the, the kind of tonality, you know, of it as well was, was equal in, in their viewpoint of them as elite athletes. And all of those things start to contribute together as well. You know, obviously we're going into a Rugby World Cup this year where our Black Ferns will be fully paid professional athletes for the first time in their history, which is extraordinary when they actually hold five previous World Cups and this is the first tournament that they will actually be paid athletes but all of those things all start to be puzzle pieces that come together that push um, progression now, uh, this morning we've been doing the Mount Rushmore of female athletes in yeah. New Zealand, Rachel. Um, yeah. And uh, each guest I've been getting on has been giving us their, you know, their nod as to, to one face that they would see chiselled mm. into in, into that mountain. Uh, Zoe Sadowski Sinnott um, has been mm. mentioned. Val Adams has been mentioned. Sarah Hidney has been mentioned as well. Mm. Susan Devoy. I mean, if I was going to ask you for one name, one face we're going to chisel into that mountain, mm. who would it be? Uh, absolutely, hands down, Dame Sophie Pascoe. She's just absolutely outstanding. I think she's she's just somebody that in 50 years' time we'll still be talking about in terms of her achievements at the Paralympic Games. But not just you know as a, as an athlete and as an extraordinary high performance athlete, but her work in the community and her work with Paralympics New Zealand to change perceptions of disability, to change perceptions of women with disability in sport and physical activity. So absolutely, Dame Soph, and I've known her for a few years now and she's a legend, so I'm very happy to nominate her. <laughs> yeah, great stuff, Rachel. Hey, listen, thanks very much for coming on and happy birthday to Whisper again. Thank uh, enjoy you. Enjoy it. And, and best of luck absolutely. with the, uh, the year to come and, and, and you know, all the uh, yeah. big events that you guys have lined up. 
Absolutely, and, and for your listeners listening out, about 3 o'clock today we're going to be reopening registrations for the IWG World Conference on Women in Sport, which is one of the big four uh, major sports events coming here in the next two years. It's taking place in November and we're expecting about 1,200 international sports leaders from the International Olympic Committee, World Rugby and so forth to be crossing our borders. Isn't that an amazing thing to think people will be coming across the borders into New Zealand to, to visit and together? So yeah, looking forward to that. Yeah, that'll be fantastic. Uh, just quickly, before we let you go, where can people um, jump on to, to be a part of it? Yeah, so jump on to womeninsport.org.nz and you'll find lots of information there about all the work we're doing at the moment. Good stuff, Rachel. Thank you very much for your time again. A well-written article. I enjoyed that on newsroom.co.nz. Go well and enjoy Whisper's birthday. Kia ora, thank you. Thank you very much, Rachel Froggart there, the CEO of Women in Sport, Aotearoa, also known as Whisper. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. Ricardo Ball in for him. Still to come, we're going to unveil that Mount Rushmore, but keep yours coming in uh, on the Temper Bedpost text machine, Temper and Bedpost, like no other, double eight, double three. We'll wrap those. We're going to catch up with Louis Herman Watt shortly, and we're going to play Stumped by Smithy. Uh, all of that still to come here on Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. The Love Racing.NZ update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. <laughs> Yeah, it's time for our Love Racing update with Louis Herman Watt. Uh, g'day, mate. Uh, good to have you back on breakfast. Uh, how you doing? Yeah, loving it, Rick Dog. You know, the, the early alarms that you know so well. I mean, they just, they're just so jarring and brutal to the, um, I guess, hawara of one. But I'm loving it because I enjoy my job and I enjoy my colleagues. Yeah, well, indeed, indeed. I mean, how, is, how was the streak killer Israel Dag today? Um... He hasn't tipped anything out. I think he's a bit gunshot after burying La Creek and Vinnie Colgan about five deep on the rail. And I can only think that was him that did that. And um, it was actually Kempe that um, was sacrilegious today. He tipped one out before the market had opened for it. And Ooh. he's going to get an absolute hiding from Alan Sharrick, I'd say. <laughs> Which is great to hear, great to hear. You know, I mean, it's great to have you back in the hot seat because uh, in terms of being being tipped in, uh, you know, I think it actually cost me money to cover breakfast yesterday after, after uh, last week after the money that I did, uh, I put on uh, Izzy's, uh, Izzy's picks, mate, Izzy's tips. Um, I, I don't know what you've got for us today. No, bugger all. I'm not tipping anything today, mate. Was no, no racing here. It's the Karaka yearling sales, uh, the bloodstock sales down at NZB are uh, flying at the moment, so... Anyone, the who's who of New Zealand racing are there. Um, so the racing comes back tomorrow at Otaki, and there are a couple we like tomorrow at Otaki. But in the meantime, it's, um, yeah, all lies on the sales. And there's actually a full sister by Tavistock of the Derby winner, Asterix being sold today, lot number 442. Oh, now I don't have it in front of me. It's 442 or something. Um, but, yeah, New Zealand Bloodstock's promoted all over their websites, and they're loving it. It, um, it should go. For, it should make a pretty penny. I think the, the Derby winner itself, the brother, sold for $450,000 at the Red to Run sale. So I'd expect the filly to get somewhere in that vicinity. Yeah, and have you checked for coins down the back of the couch? Are you going to be uh, part of a syndicate? 
Um, yeah, good question. I always get, seem to somehow get roped in here and there. <laughs> Not all horses win, Rick. That's the thing people don't tell you. Well, yeah. I do, but it kind of comes. Not all horses win. You need them to win to pay your bills. But um, uh, yeah, look, there's so many different. Good, the good thing is there's so many good different good syndicate options at the moment. Like even Tony Pike's now um, official syndicator. Obviously, Tiaka, Go Racing. Um, yeah, there's so many different ways you can kind of get involved with little shares down to 1%. So it actually is affordable. Good stuff, mate. Good stuff, Louis. Hey, uh, now, we have um, we have been doing Mount Rushmore throughout the day. Have you got a quick one for us? Or one, one name that we would chisel into Mount Rushmore female New Zealand sports people? Right. Um, well, this morning... I had this they talked about Zoe Sadowski-Sinnott and what she's done in such a short time. I'm trying to work out... So Michelle Payne won the Melbourne Cup, right, as a jockey. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Janie Carr's just gone past Michelle Payne as Australia's leading Group 1 female jockey. But I'm pretty sure that SENZ's very own Sammy Spratt, through her association with Mufasa, is the world's winningest female group one jockey i think which is pretty incredible considering they literally compete against the blokes it's not in your own discipline like name me another sport where that happens maybe chess if you consider or, or darts with um the old you know that, that lady that's yep yep so it's pretty rare so the fact that sam sprack i think she's got like anywhere between oh geez i'm really speculating here like 11 and 18 odd group ones which is very impressive so how about yeah. spready spready we'll chuck spready and good stuff louis go well mate thanks very much for that uh love racing.nz update no worries rick dog see you tomorrow yeah we'll do mate we'll do now of course uh, it is time for stump with smithy uh, if you want to uh, get in uh, to be stumped by smithy or by me in this case uh, give us a call now 0800 150 811 0800 150 a $50 tab voucher up for grabs and you could win yourself some sleep drops as well get on uh, i can tell you that if uh, you've played before I think Smithy's sporting knowledge will be vastly vaster than mine. So if you wanted to win, today is your day to win. So get in, give us a call. Stumped with Smith or Stumped by Smithy, 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. Time to go to news with Emma. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Yeah, it's that time of the morning, but it's not stumped by Smithy. Potentially, it could be stumped by Ricardo. Who knows? First time up uh, with the wicket-keeping gloves. I can see him on my camera, and he is warming them up. See how we go. But today, up for grabs is $50 worth of TAB vouchers and some Sleep Drops Daytime Revive. Try New Zealand sleepdrops.co.nz for all ages, lifestyle changes, uh, stages, and sleeping challenges. Always read the label and take us directed Sleep Drops Auckland. That is where you could win. And joining us now at the crease is Brenton. How are you doing, mate? I'm good, brother. Yourself? Good, mate. Good to have you on. Uh, how's things going? Where are you calling from? I'm just calling from Auckland, mate. Things are going all right. Sunny day. Nice. Good. Nice, love a sunny day in Auckland or anywhere in New Zealand to be fair, beautiful country. Uh, now normally we have three sporting categories to choose from, but today for International Women's Day, I'm changing things up a little bit here, this might not be something JD would have done, who knows. Uh, but one special topic today, New Zealand wahine 
at the Olympics. If you get a question wrong, then it's over to Ricardo for a stumping chance. And right now, he has got his eyes on the prize. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. Here comes the music. Let's go. Of course, we just had two Olympics in the space of six months, so uh, being pretty spoiled for choice for uh, any uh, sports fans out there that love the Olympics. And of course, the Para Winter Olympics are going on right now. First question for you, Brenton. Lisa Carrington is the goat in the boat, one of the greatest Olympians we have and possibly will ever produce. But when did she win her first of five Olympic gold medals? Oh, so she won, when was it, last year? So I'm going to four years before that with Mason. She was in the end. I'm going to go 212. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Nice work, mate. That's right. 2012 in London. I love the way you were calculating the mass in your head there on air. Ricardo, how would you have gone on that one, mate? One. I think I would have got that one. All right. But, uh, I think we should rename this uh, Dropped by Bo- uh, Ricky rather than uh, Stumped by Smithy because I think that's. I've got a feeling the way he's going, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> we'll see, mate. We'll see. Second question for you, Brenton. Who was the first Kiwi woman to compete in the free ski slope style as part of the Sochi 2014 program? Oh, never clue. Yeah. Take uh, guess. Red <laughs> uh, 2014. Yep. Sochi, you know when, no, thing, when things got a little dirty and the Russians, you know, they cheated a little bit. Yeah. Ah, uh, nah, I'll just say Zoe's another clinic, but she'll only be about 12, so I think that'll be it. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. You're up, Ricardo. Uh, was it Anna Wilcox Silverberg? Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. That's right, so that is a stumping there on your part, Brenton. Sorry, mate. Elliot. On the line next, your chance. How you doing, mate? How's it? Yeah, not too shabby. <laughs> All right, so we have one more question. I think Ricardo is feeling pretty good right now. We'll see how we go. Last question. Barbara Kendall made board sailing cool in the 90s. We've had her name mentioned a few times on the show as part of our Mount Rushmore. Stay tuned for that. We'll have it very shortly. Uh, absolute legend in her own right. How many Olympic medals did she win in her career? Barbara Kendall. Three? Mate! Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Outstanding. Ricardo, would you have that one, buddy? Yeah, I had that one. I remember that she uh, she, she did the, the full rainbow, didn't she? She went gold, silver, bronze. And uh, I grew up out, uh, out Howick Way and uh, Bucklands Beach isn't far from there, and her and Bruce grew up there, so they were local heroes just around the corner when I was at school. That's outstanding. Uh, Elliot, you win it all, mate. You get the $50 TAB uh, vouchers to your account and the sleep drops. Stay on the line, uh, and Brian will get your details. Oh, we are on. <laughs> you are on, mate. You are on. Have you have you got anything that you're going to put that, uh, that 50 on? Oh, that's gone the Warriors, isn't it? Yeah, the Warriors, Dragons. What, are you going to go unders, or are you just going to head-to-head? Oh, it may be a bit of a double, Warriors and unders. Ooh, Warriors and Unders. Yeah, I think the, the Dragons look all right this year. I, don't, I, think, I think they'll be better than they were at the end of last year, that's for sure. Red be always overrated. 
<laughs> Red V always overrated. Uh, there, I, I know, uh, I know a lot of Red V fans at the moment, or that'll be that'll be tearing into you, mate. But hey, Elliot, well done, mate, and thanks very much for for calling in and listening to SCNZ. Uh, thanks, mate. No worries. Oh, that, I thought that was a pretty good run uh, there, there, Logan. I was, uh, I, I felt a bit bad uh, shooting Brenton down the first uh, first up though. No, for your first up uh, chance there on the stumping, you sort of. You stuffed it up there on the second one. I think you came right. Like I said, you had eyes on the prize. You grabbed that ball. You stumped him, stumped Brenton. But uh, congratulations, Elliot, for taking that win. That was huge. Yeah, massive, massive. And $50 on the Warriors, actually. I wonder what uh, you can get on the Warriors' unders. We should f- try and figure that out. What's he actually going to win? If he goes through with what we just talked about and backs the Warriors to beat the Dragons, the Warriors are $1.79 favourites head-to-head, so uh, you want to look for a market. Yeah, if you go unders, it's paying 3 bucks. Warriors 1-12, to that's not bad. Yeah, I mean, we all always say it, right? This is our year for the Warriors. Uh all power to you, Elliot, putting that $50 on the Warriors, mate. If uh, if you win, who knows? Stay in touch, mate. Maybe we'll have some beers. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Uh, for a long time, I did think that that was actually the full name. Uh, you know, I thought, uh, you know, it was, it was the This Is Our Year Vodafone Warriors. Uh, I thought that was the full name of the club. But there we go. <laughs> that is a, that's a little long-winded, but okay. <laughs> hey, this is Hissy and Zed Mornings with Ian Smith. Smithy's away, so Ricardo's in the hot seat. We're going to do our Mount Rushmore shortly. If you want to get in on that and uh, put forward your favourite Kiwi female athletes that should be chiselled into Mount Rushmore, do it now on 8833. That is our bed post text machine. Temper and bedpost like no other. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. This is SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith, Ricardo Ball in the hot seat for you. Will Smithy's on the World Cup Tour. It is 16 away from 12 and it is uh, time to talk our Mount Rushmores. Uh, we've been uh, taking heaps of texts through on double eight double three, and uh, that is where you can hit us, the temper bedpost text machine, temper and bedpost like no other. Had a few more come through. Uh, Lois Muir is a player and a coach. Thanks to Theo for that one. And, uh, and Jade has come through. Surely Sarah Ulmer must get a mention uh, so another couple there you can keep them coming through um, I think Sam Spratt uh, after L- what Louis said has 41 group one and black type races as well she's had a few uh, had a few calls so uh, that's another good one but uh, we're going to start with you Logan what is uh, your first of Mount Rushmore for uh, New Zealand female athletes yeah, this is a really tough one to decide. I mean, as you mentioned, we've had so many names come through today, so many worthy uh, people, uh, people, athletes that should be on there. And I think we've just decided in the end break, we don't need a Mount Rushmore. We need to take the Remarkables and, <laughs> and do something there. Uh, my first one, a uh, bit of a hipster choice, apparently, uh, according to uh, the SCNZ office, uh, Nita McLaren. Punt and Brooke Neal wait at the top of the circle. Mary moves forward once again. Will be punt, sweeps towards goal, high to the keeper's left. And Anita Punt has got a third for New Zealand. And they know that that puts them in a very strong position in this match. 
So Punt with another opportunity. Punt scores for New Zealand. They have a lifeline. Anita Punt has done it again. What a leader she is for the Black Sticks. Anita McLaren Punt, she was so lethal there on the penalty corners there with her drag flag. I, when it came to the Black Sticks, I mean, there's there's other names. There's Stacey Mickelson, of course, uh, Mandy Smith. But for me, uh, Anita McLaren is the one that stands out. Over to you, Ricardo. Okay, well, my first one uh, is going to be a player that I think just epitomises grit whenever she plays, and that is Casey Kapoor. It is pretty cool. Um, and speaking to my family, uh, I guess they see the other side too of all the hard work and the, I guess the choices that you make. And I guess just to hear them say that they're proud for me is, is big. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Casey Kapoor, that was when she came back. And uh, she, for me, uh, I mean, I could have said Irene Van Dyke. Um, I could have seen, said Maria Falau. But for me, Casey Kapoor, just the, the way she came back through all those knee injuries, the fact that she's the record uh, cap holder for New Zealand captains um, of the Silver Ferns as well, and just what she did on the court. You know, she was everywhere. She got stuck in. And I just love the way she played, threw herself around the court, put her body on the line, uh, and she was just everywhere. I mean, you know, my favourite favourite um, uh, players are always the ones that get stuck in, not necessarily the flashiest, but the ones that really get stuck in and uh, show lots of grit and determination. And I think grit and determination, if you look it up, there'll be a picture of Cassie Kaupua next to that in the dictionary. What, what, what's your next one, Logan? Uh, next one, this goes back to the Rio 2016 Olympics. It was just a moment uh, that I think that really captured the whole nation and it just got a lot of us pumped for the sport of pole vault. From New Zealand, the first time Olympian, looking very relaxed, is 19-year-old Eliza McCartney. This is at a lifetime best height, Eliza McCartney. Whoa! Over she goes! McCartney. Alana Boyd stands between Eliza McCartney and a bronze medal and set a new Australian record. Boyd, it won't happen. McCartney, Eliza McCartney of New Zealand by virtue of the first four successful clearances has taken the bronze medal and it's just hit home. Yeah, how huge was that moment? Just, I mean, it's unfortunate that Eliza has been going through uh, a lot of injury trouble. It's awesome to see her on Instagram posting updates and that, you know, she is on the recovery train. So hopefully, hope to see more of her. She's not the only pole vaulter we have, of course, but uh, when I think of favourite uh, female athletes in New Zealand, her personality, her passion for her sport, it just really shines through. Yeah, okay. Well, I, my next one is going to be an absolute pocket rocket. Michaela Blyde. Ops to go on her own and she's found herself in a lot of space. Sarah Hedeney giving Chase Bethron. She gets it up to Michaela Blyde and she'll score first for New Zealand. They know it. New Zealand give headspace as well, please. Gold medal is New Zealand's. Michaela Blyde. Smile on the face now. They just need to get it in and get it out. Kelly Brazier bangs it into touch. And a nation that has scaled every other peak in rugby now has the one prize that was missing. An Olympic gold. Black gold in Tokyo. New Zealand Olympic champions. Yeah, that was Michaela Blyde. You know, really 
full set there. Um, she's got an Olympic gold medal. She's got a Com Game medal, gold medal, and a Rugby World Cup sevens gold medal. And I, you know, I could have said Ruby Tui, Portia Woodman, uh, a lot of people, but Michaela Plyde, she just really grabs your attention when she goes. I've never seen anybody run around and tire other teams the way that she does, Logan. No, and speaking of uh, athletes that just really capture your attention, there really is no other than Dame Lisa Carrington. Already, she's New Zealand's most successful female Olympian and equal gold medalist. Her haul is extraordinary. She is leading at the moment, half a boat length ahead. A medal here. That would make Carrington the best. Still work to do. And she comes to the line. She is New Zealand's most successful Olympian of all time, Lisa Carrington. Oh, my word, that looked easy. Half a boat length. Brilliant. Go Lisa Carrington. She was also one of mine, mates. So we agreed on on those. So I don't think you can go past her. I think she's our greatest ever Olympian, Lisa Carrington. And uh, you know, my final one uh, for the Mount Rushmore is. Dame Susan DeVoy, uh, you know, she was just such so dominant in her sport when I was growing up, you know, uh, gold medal at the World Champs, four separate occasions, she won everything, it was world number one for so, so long, won the World Open four times as well, just a superb athlete, and she was the first female athlete I remember, Logan, who was never compared to the male compatriots, she was always just out on her own, uh, and she just she defined excellence in sport in New Zealand for such a long time and through the 80s and early 90s. No, exactly. And just to round out our Mount Rushmore, uh, you can't really say recency bias on this one because, I mean, she was always going to be on there. Uh, Dame Val Adams. What a story this is. The world youth title holder, the world junior title holder, the Commonwealth title, the world indoor champion, the world champion. And away she goes now in a bid to be the Olympic champion. Now that is more like it. Very good from Valerie Vili. Thumbs up as she walks away. At 20 metres 56, that's fantastic. Which means it's Valerie Vili. And the V is for victorious. Yeah, Dame Valerie Adams uh, obviously did, did well deserved to mention. I mean, we could only name four each. There were so many others that deserved mentions, honourable mentions that came through on the texts and conversations Logan and I had. Sarah Ulmer, Sarah Walker, Farah Palmer as well, and so, so many more. Keep them coming through on uh, that temper text line on double eight double three. When we come back, Mark Stafford joins us. And we'll look at what he's got in store for us this afternoon. Stuff for your face and body? It's men's skincare with a purpose. Top quality Aussie-made grooming and skincare to help guys look and feel great with no hassles. Plus, Stuff is helping mental health too. Find Stuff at Woolworths or visit websiteofstuff.com.